Coming up, Sports Illustrated firings, the golden bib of 2014. Sports Illustrated related, cross counter. And we talk about the new and improved UN. Goodbye, podium. Buckle up, enjoy the ride. It's gonna be a rough one. And episode 44 is. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! Konnichiwa, this is New Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography, and it is 2015. Um, if you have not forgotten it, or if, and I know you haven't, it is never too late uh, to send a couple of bucks our way, since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment. Please click on the PayPal donations link on our website to show us how much you love us because we're here to make you a better sports photographer. Now, news. News. Here news, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves and many other things because we like to. As you probably are anticipating at this point, I think you probably read the title. We will be talking about Golden Bib. I guess probably more importantly, kind of a more of like a current news type of thing. We'll be talking about the heads being cut off at the Sports Illustrated. But we will first just kind of do what we usually do, and that will be what was good and what was bad in the past month. So, Mike Cohen, what was good and what was bad? Uh, good, I've been shooting a lot of basketball. Basketball is one of the things that I do enjoy shooting. I've had some kind of diverse assignments, a couple where I was having to shoot specific players for the whole game and a couple where I had to shoot the whole team and then a couple where I just kind of did whatever I wanted. And one game I shot the whole thing with a 24 1.4 and a 85 1.4, which was kind of a cool little experiment. Other ones, I had to be a little bit more serious and use more gear and do different things. But in general, uh, shooting a couple of basketball games a week, and that's been kind of cool. Bad was I, I shot a the Foster Farms Bowl. Uh, <laughs> it's Foster Farms know. Bowl. It's been oh called, God. yeah. What's a company that makes chicken? I have to um, tell people who don't understand been, what that means. The bowls. Uh, in 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 America, college football at the end of the season, uh, the teams who win six games or more can go to bowl games, which is like a. It's hard to explain, I guess, because everywhere else there's like one playoff system, and then it's kind of like a glorified exhibition game, really, isn't it? I mean, they take it more seriously than an exhibition game because they take everything more seriously, I guess, than that. But anyway, so it's just. It's just one game where whoever finished in fourth place in one conference plays whoever finished third place in a different conference. And it really, it's really not like anything else. I guess if you're not from America, this makes no sense to you. But if you are, you know what I mean? The two teams that played were Stanford and Maryland, and they played at the stadium where the 49ers play. Really nice stadium. And I was looking at it when I was on the field before the game, and it was basically daylight, even though it was at night. The lights there are so bright that if you didn't look up to see that the lights were on, if you just looked, you know, mm. through your viewfinder at the players or whatever, it was basically wow. daylight, which is it's just an insane amount of light for something that happens in the dark. That part of it was cool, but the bad part was that they set up advertising banners all the way around the field and you had to shoot from behind the banners. And that is just not acceptable. And I will not shoot that game again because of that. It's just, if you can't have a handful of photographers shooting from where they should shoot from and you need to have them shooting behind your advertising, then that tells me that you don't really want still pictures of your game and I will be happy to oblige that. Are most like college bowl games or college like American football games like that? You have to shoot from behind the boards. I've never had that except for the one game that I shot at the Uh University of Nevada where they have it. But it's none of the other games, none of the Cal games or Stanford games, none of the other bowl games, not the Rose Bowl, not any 
NFL games, not any NFL mm. playoff games. I've never had to do anything like that. And it was just kind of a slap in the face to get there and say, okay, well, you know, you're going to be even further off the field than you normally are. And in addition to that, not able to get any lower than the tops of the signs. Well, because like when over okay. here, it's quite normal to shoot from behind the advertised board, you know? Yeah, well, and for, yeah, for soccer, I have to shoot behind mm. boards all the time. I mean, that's how it you know that's how it goes but for football it's just silly and it doesn't make any sense given all the other signs and given the fact that there's advertising all over everything and that even on the side of the ads that we were on you were still blocking something so none of it made any sense and it was just annoying and the game sucked and not just not shooting maybe it's like you know that's gonna be something that's gonna be quite normal in the future and they're gonna start having all these advertising boards around the entire pitch and then you have to shoot i mean like i re- I remember like when i was shooting rugby it was just horrible because they would actually be a lot lower most of the time than the advertisement board but you have to be like sitting and not moving and you can't shoot anything behind i mean i mean beyond the advertisement board but not much you can have, i mean it depends you know it's a money thing isn't it really for me the good the bad and the ugly and my best and worst my best was I got back, you know, since the baby was born, I got back to now shooting uh, football again. So I went to shoot uh, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid in a Madrid Derby. It's a Copa del Rey, like, I don't know, semifinal or like quarterfinals. The match wasn't very, very good. The first half was good, but the second one was just terrible. It was nice to just kind of get back and start shooting again. My worst was that I just haven't really shot that much in the past two months. So I really want to kind of start kind of get going i guess it's part of the worst is that i've also bought infrared camera so like i've actually had a camera converted to infrared and then like i'm gonna actually use it for part of my project i still cannot quite figure out how to use it in a way that it will be interesting i think i've got stuff in my mind that i, I can do it but converting an a6000 of like alpha 6000 sony one because um i don't want to get into the whole thing but DSLRs, you cannot focus. If camera is converted to an infrared camera, you cannot use the autofocus anymore, which is terrible. <laughs> How are you supposed to do it? Mirrorless camera, like the Alpha 6000, you can. So I've, that's why I chose this one because, you know, I mean, if you can't use autofocus on in sports a bit. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that because infrared focus is at yeah. a different length than visible but if it's what is it just phase detection or something the different kind yeah of auto because focus. there's no mirror involved and i think it's a whole different thing also like if you want to get infrared camera with uh, with a dsr that you want to convert that one then you have to either like get one lens to be like the only lens you're going to be using yeah really it's a lot load of crap and i don't even want to do that someone you might be using a camera like the uh the alpha 6000 6, is that the longer lens are either really expensive to have like a 7200 2.8 which costs like 1500 like two thousand dollars quite a lot of money which i didn't really want to spend on something that was quite experimental and if that's not the case then like you know the f-stop at the the 200 the long end would be like 6.3 or something it's really quite not good the wide angle lenses are very very good i've I've actually shot with it it's very very nice but there's no like really long prime lenses that are out with that that e-mount that sony has so that's something to really start thinking about how I'm going to, you know, do this. I'm just going to really stick just with the short, uh, the, the, the wide angle lenses. But it is going to be an interesting project and it's going to be fun. And hopefully I can have a lot more I can show in the future, but we'll see how it goes. This is 2015 and hope you guys um, keep on listening because it's going to be a very, very good year. And there'll be more stuff to come. After this, we're going to have some more announcements because I think we're going to make some changes on uh, BLFS and how it's going to work. And it's going to be for the better. So tune in or keep on tuning in. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us at BigLensFastShutter.com. The biggest, biggest, really biggest topic of January 2015, Sports Illustrated laid off the existing staff photographers. Like now they're all gone. I think they've been cutting it down, right? For a couple of months, like a couple of years. Yeah, there used to be more. Well, a couple of years, yeah. Um, there used to be a lot more. Now there's six, now there's yeah. zero. So what they're going to do is they're going to obviously be using, you know, Getty and AP and all the other agencies to provide them with pictures. What we're going to do is, 
I'll ask, Matt will answer, and vice versa. What went through your mind when you first heard the news that the, the remaining six were cut? Uh, it, it was, I was not happy to hear this, obviously. Um, I am not a huge fan of very many other photographers, but a couple of the ones that got cut, I was big fan of, and I've shot with these guys and I've seen them work. They are masters at what they do. It's impossible to replace what these guys do as staff photographers with AP and Getty pictures. And it's really impossible to replace even hiring these guys back as freelancers, which I'm guessing there's going to be at least some of. The funny thing is that basically you can strip away everything specific about this, like what those guys brought to the table, what industry we're in and what they did and what the alternatives are. And really all this comes down to is that the people in charge of SI wanted to get rid of guaranteed salaries, benefits, pensions, stuff like that. So really, this isn't a photography story. This is a capitalism story. And you can be on one side of that or the other side of it. But more specifically, this is a sad story for photojournalism in general, sports photography specifically. I guess the example that I'll use, I shot a, a college basketball game a couple of years ago with John McDonough, who's one of the guys who got laid off. And John's an older guy. He's been with Sports Illustrated for a long time. He's been a sports photographer for a long time. He had five cameras at his side. He had two backboard remotes and he had a whole strobe system. And he had an assistant with him who was responsible for the remotes and the remote cameras and the, the, the lighting. And just watching him work and get the pictures that he needed and move on to what else he needed, uh, I can't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't manage five different cameras and two remotes and remote lighting at the same time, even with an assistant. But this guy, it was second nature to him. Like he just shot, didn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal, moved around when he needed to. You can't replace that with an AP or a Getty picture. So if you're doing a story that, he was there to do a story on one specific player for one specific team. So you could send me to that game instead of him for cheaper, or you could just buy my pictures later off the wire for cheaper, but you're never going to get what he was able to do with all of that manpower and all of the gear that he had and the only being there to shoot this one player. So I, when I go to shoot a game, most of the time I have more than that as a responsibility. So all of this stuff is going to go away and it's going to result in just a lower quality of pictures like we've been seeing, like we saw at the Olympics, like we've seen at um, you know any number of large events where speed is the only thing that matters and quality is you know pretty far down on the list. So looking at it through that lens, it sucks. And it this isn't this isn't a Sports Illustrated story. They've been going downhill for years because as they've been cutting staff, they've been buying more just generic wire pictures. And so what we've seen is what we're going to see. It's just going to be a continued decrease in quality for what used to be a magazine that was a must read. They're just not trying anymore. A few years ago, they let go of a bunch of editors, which cut down on the time that each individual editor who was still there had to go around and look for actually good pictures. And a lot of times they just ended up settling on what was maybe the first picture that they saw that fit what they needed rather than doing a deeper dive and actually finding something from somebody who was less known that would that would have done a better job of illustrating the story. So this has all been going on for a long time, and I don't really imagine this is going to change all that much other than the quality of the photography in general. When I first heard about it, I thought, well, it was, you know, I didn't be really even bad, and I didn't really think anything really about it because... Photographers has been caught in almost every single publication imaginable. Staff photographers especially because they cost a lot of money. They cost a lot of money. And if you think about the fact that it costs, I don't know, uh, Sports Illustrated or, you know, whatever. Let's, yeah, let's just say Sports Illustrated. 10, I don't know, 20, I don't know how like maybe 20 grand a year to use, like have like unlimited use of all the Getty images, like their entire library. Like, and that's not going to even be nowhere enough. Even let's say like 30,000. That's gonna call. It's gonna call thirty thousand dollars to have the entire library of uh, Giddy images. 
that's not going to even equate the salary of one of these photographers. So obviously, it's a cost-cutting thing over any everything else. Now, I'm in a bit of a on the other on the other side of the the, the whole um, the quality of images at at Sports Illustrated. From what I've I have seen recently, now it's not like I've actually like seen like every single um issues of Sports Illustrated. It's not like they've been exceptional, especially like the ones like I they I did just like like BuzzFeed had this thing of like you know they just kind of did this like lazy, you know thirty seven like you know great greatest like sports photography shots um of like you know the entire the magazine's existence. And I have to admit the stuff that was, you know, done in the 50s and the 60s and 70s, you know, those are just absolutely amazing that there were a lot of thought that went into it. And as the years passed by, it gets to the 80s and 90s. And the turn of the century, from 21st century onwards, the photo is not that good. So to me, the decline was already coming also in quality. So why would you actually want to pay a lot of money for these photographers they produce subpar quality to top it off the readership they don't really care about photography at all most people don't i mean we do because we're photographers we do care about quality because we believe quality is very very important but for most people you know who are just you know whatever packers fan who gets an issue of sports illustrated every week and he reads them for the articles See, he reads them for the article. He's not looking at them specifically for the photos. The photos are, to me, in those instances, quite secondary. Doesn't really like you know. I don't know. They don't really just kind of glaze. You know, just have a little glass and like that's it. That's that's it. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing more. And we also live in a society where we don't really care about quality anymore. <sighs> most people are most you know teenagers are very happy to listen to music via YouTube because they just want to hear it. They don't really care if it's actually like you know. A, like flack or whatever like really high quality stuff like only like old people do same goes for for instance video and tv series it's because people just want to watch it they watch it on the iphone if they would if they have to because they, they really don't care what the quality is i mean gone are the days of laser discs i mean if i don't know if you don't know laser discs, i'm not talking to people who are too young but they're really high quality people really wanted quality back in the days but now they just want quantity they just want you know speed and that's what it is. For the, the, I think the readership has changed and so did the aim of the magazine itself. To me, in a way, it's a bit of the whole system of having staff photographers now is done. It's the age, this is the, the, the age of agencies and they're going to produce average to subpar pictures and people won't care. That doesn't necessarily mean people don't want quality images because we here are all about quality images and it should be that we should be teaching you how to shoot quality stuff because they will stand out from now on more than ever they will stand out if you take exceptional images they will stand out because there'll be sea of you know mediocrity all over the place from now on i think you know in a way i i'm, I'm happy this is it this is you know where we're gonna we're gonna start you know a bit of revolution now this is gonna be better for all of us involved to go for something very different your own style and higher quality you will get noticed because some some agencies and some advertisement people some all those people are going to be looking for something a bit different because they always want to catch other people people's eyes and they're going to say hey you know what that guy shoots great you know football pictures let's hire him because no other people can do it how could that be possible like 20 years 20 years ago it's not going to be possible i think changes are good I feel bad for people who lost their jobs, but this happens, though. That's that's how life is. Let's all kind of like buckle up because you never know if you become very very good sports photographer, you know, by listening to the show and doing what we ask you to do, you might be shooting for Sports Illustrated very soon because you're gonna be hiring a lot of freelancers from now on. You know, it's not it's not out of the realm of impossibility. That's gonna happen, and we've actually had a very very good success rate of people graduating from here and uh, getting a lot of um, good gigs, right? The thing about it is, and I don't really disagree with anything that you just said, but the problem with that is that they, if if they really think that their readers don't care about pictures, then they should just make it a email newsletter. Yeah, they will in the end. They will. I'll, I will not be surprised at all if they just make just go all, almost all text. 
Yeah, well, you know, then it's not Sports Illustrated anymore, and they should they should do it now, or they really they should have done it three years ago when their standards cratered to the point where they were running out of focus pictures on yeah. covers, which they've done multiple times. It's really sad. So they should they should they should just do yeah. it now. They're going to look back on this when they get to where they're where they're planning on going, which is you know let's be honest, out of business. We're going to have this magazine and these, you know, other time magazines or whatever forever. And we don't have to adapt to the Internet. And we don't have to figure out how to make money uh, online. And we're just going to keep selling paper subscriptions forever. They did that for so long because it was stupid and greedy. This is where we are now and where they're going is out of business. Speed it up <laughs> because all you're doing is murdering the legacy of something that was actually at one point in time probably before either you or I were shooting a great mm. magazine. And, you know, the thing is that the thing that's unsaid in all of this is that ESPN magazine is actually a great magazine and they've been kicking Sports Illustrated's ass. But I don't know about Quip to evaluate whether or not their stories are better or their writers are better or whatever, but just from a strictly graphics and photography point of view, ESPN magazine has been just raping Sports yeah. Illustrated for years. The thing is that they don't run that many sports action pictures. They run a lot of portraits. Mm. They run a lot of photo illustrations. They do a lot of photo shoots with the athletes that they're covering. And, you know, it results in better pictures because they can control every little bit of it. The thing is that Sports Illustrated used to be that. It used to be, a you know, where you went to see great sports pictures. And it's not that anymore. And as long as you're going to have a competitor who actually has money behind it because... ESPN just makes so much money that they can afford to keep a magazine around that doesn't make, money, make yeah. a ton of money does, or doesn't make money at all. It doesn't make it any money not. at all, ESPN. I really yeah. don't think they do. But the, the point is that Sports Illustrated still has to exist in the world where ESPN magazine exists. If they don't care about pictures, and they don't care about their photographers, and they don't care about journalism, photojournalism anyway, um, just pack it up. Just, you know, yeah, end it. they will soon. Because... Huh? You're just gonna look. You're just gonna look bad. And you know the funny thing is, they made a big deal about hiring a picture editor from the New York Times a few years ago. Probably not his fault because of budgets and whatever. But quality's only gone down since then. So don't trumpet this next big thing or this guy who's gonna save everything because he's not gonna save anything. And you're just strangling the money flow and strangling the magazine. So they should just be done with it all. So we'll go on with the questions because we've asked you if you've got any questions. So the Chico asked is there any news about some medias or agencies whose staff photographers count increases or is it a one-way road it will be interesting to know some of the stories of the past to get the whole picture so he's basically asking whether or not media so like you know magazines and i guess like web and things or whatever books or agencies are they increasing sports photographers on their staff i don't think anybody Regardless of whether it's sports photography or any other kind of anything, no way. anything in the media is only contracting. I didn't even know about this until after it was already done, but the San Francisco Chronicle hired a new staff photographer, not specific to sports, just somebody that shoots news and events and sports and whatever else they need. And they, they have been buying photographers out for years. I mean, the, literally the whole time I've been shooting, all I read about is so-and-so took the buyout and retired or so-and-so took the buyout and is now shooting weddings, but I guess they got to a point where they, the, it was as thin as they could make it. And then somebody retired and then they actually had a big search for a new staff photographer, but that's the only staff job in the whole area, the whole Bay area that I know of that some, that has actually been added. It's either somebody's taking a buyout and is gone to be replaced by nobody or somebody retired and you know cobbling together a few part-timers or freelancers to pick up the slack or they're just not doing anything and the remaining photographers need to split whatever's there and whatever falls through the cracks falls through the cracks so no there nobody's adding staff this isn't going to change it you know some of these guys might get picked up if somebody wants to make a splash or something like that, but there there are no new full-time photography jobs coming. You might get a chance to replace somebody if somewhere has already cut down as far as they can cut down, but 
nobody's increasing staff. K Sosa Photo is asking, what made the staff so special? Where does the site go from here? Do you buy photos from Getty? Do you buy photos from Getty? Yes. Well, they've already been doing that for years. AP and Getty have been providing bad pictures to SI for years, and they've been running them. And, and they're not, you know, to be fair, they're not all bad. The problem is that they use it as bulk you know, they, they send their staffers to the things that are the most important, and then they fill it in with wire pictures for the rest of it, not just AP and Getty, but the, you know, the wires that I've shot for and whoever, you know, European ones and whatever. Problem is that they, they just don't care. Like they, they'll send their staffers to the most important things and they'll just fill it in with the rest of them. And the, it looks like it. I should contact Sports Illustrated and ask them, like, I'll just put my freelance thing. Yeah, then you, then you have to work for whatever they're paying Getty, which that. is nothing. So what made his staff so special? Um, I think it's more of a legacy thing rather than current, like they're so really good that like no one else can do that kind of stuff. I've not seen anything from them. It's like, wow, this is amazing. You well, know? you don't. You also don't subscribe to the magazine. So, you know. No, I've not, I've not seen it for a long time. But I never really thought that like Sports Illustrated, at least like in a current form, I've not seen anything from them. Like for instance, like, all the covers I've actually seen from them, like in the past ten years, been really shit. Right. Well, most of the covers are shitty portraits that somebody thought was cute because they got somebody to, you know, they got um, somebody to pose with something that you mm. wouldn't have thought of, or a cheesy smile, or no, that's not where the best work is. And the thing is that it's easy to be a subscriber to a magazine that's going downhill and think, oh, well, you know, all the, you know, the whole level, and yeah, the average level of photography has gone downhill, but. Um, no, these, these are six excellent photographers. There's, there's no getting around it. What made them special? It's a combination of experience. It's a combination of these guys were weeded out through, you know, people looking at their work and deciding that they were, they would move on to the next most prestigious step in the whatever ladder that they were on. The experience to be able to solve difficult problems. The uh, probably the best example of this is the picture of Michael Phelps winning one of his gold medals in was it Greece or Beijing. I, I don't remember um, where. Mm, it's Beijing. Where he the it was too close for even the timing clocks to figure it out or something. But the the picture was what decided it, or the picture was what confirmed it after the fact because Heinz Klumeyer set up a remote in a bubble at the bottom of a pool and did it in such a way that you could tell the difference between a fingertip length. David Clutho figuring out that you know it sucks shooting hockey from above the boards because you're at waist level all the time and he managed to talk a couple teams into cutting out plexiglass down at the bottom so that he could shoot through at ice level McDonough really pioneering the use of multiple cameras you know these are these are titans in this business and whether or not their best stuff ran or whether or not the level of the pictures around theirs were good or whether or not they had enough time to do what they needed to do over the last few years does not take away from the fact that they were in fact special photographers yeah but like i said i think to me it's more of a legacy thing rather than actually saying okay are they really the top people right now i I believe that they are i believe that they're being misused because of budgets and because of speed issues but you know as far as who who would i want shooting any one important game that had you know a unique set of problems to to solve give me any of those guys and i'm perfectly happy with Mm, that i don't know i don't like old people i don't like anybody but you know the thing is that these people have done it and they've been doing it and you know yeah like i know i'm I'm saying like it's a legacy thing to me i think they've done great stuff in the past but like now some of these guys aren't that old no no well i guess you have to look for a new job they can't retire anymore and I think that the thing is, like, to me, it's really stupid to think that you're going to be okay with a, a sinking ship like this. I don't think that anybody who was on the inside of the situation was at all surprised. I think, you know, the date, the specific time that it happened might have surprised yeah. them. But I don't think anybody was under any delusion that this kind of thing was going to go on forever. I'm just happy that this is it's done and dusted now, really. I'm, I don't really have any sentimental feelings about this because I think people need to move on. You know, it's Sports Illustrated. Well, it just it means something to Americans that it doesn't mean to you, and that's fine. But it doesn't mean you can wave your hand at you know what these guys have done even recently. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like it really just. I've actually like heard people talk about this whole situation, and I'm just thinking to myself, like you know, 
it's just it was written like it was, it was gonna happen anyway yeah you know it's one of those things like i, I just kind of felt like really surprised that people were then like talking about like oh like you know i don't know it's like because like you you know you say that they've done great jobs in the past like and i'm looking at all the stuff that i've seen that like oh these are the stuff that they've shot and it's like okay well you know so what it doesn't really like i don't maybe it's the editor's fault for using really shitty pictures it's but, absolutely the editor's fault that's why we're in this situation yeah in the but first i don't place. know like yeah but the thing is like if you've actually like so then what's the what's the, what's the problem then so they couldn't so the editors decided to like choose pictures that were bad like you know what i mean it cannot possibly like it's it feels the, like listen the, a good editor like, makes or breaks photographers and the thing is that once your editor starts demanding less of you even tacitly by running a whole pile of shitty pictures every issue your level of work is going to go down just based on that you know you can self-motivate for as long as you want but once you see the writing on the wall yeah a you're going to lose your job one way or the other b every other picture that's running in this issue is going to be crap what what happens at that point you know you need an editor who's there saying okay these are the pictures that we have of this guy that we're doing a feature on but we really need a low angle shot from you know, from the scorer's table. So set up a remote under there and get him as he's bringing the ball up court or something like that. Like that's an editor's mm. job. It's not an editor's job just to pick the pictures after the fact. Having a good editor is super important to all of this. And the thing is that either through attrition or people just getting fed up with this or whatever, SI lost a ton of good editors. The ones they brought on weren't as good and they were operating under budgets that were clearly unrealistic to have a good magazine. And so this is the result of all of that. It doesn't take away from what these guys are and what they've done and what they can do even right now. It just means that they were working at a magazine that didn't prize good pictures any more than they prized shitty pictures that filled up pages that they could run ads against. Yeah, but I did. I then now like wonder, like, what are these guys gonna do? Now? I don't know, and it sucks. But that's not our concern. So basically, good riddance. It's that's bad. not at all basically one. what it is. That's not what I'm saying. No, because the thing is, like, I I've actually listened. Like, I, I just want to add one more thing. I've actually said this a lot, and I've written on the, the blog post before that as well. This like th- this whole photography business is a business. It's not just just because you can take good pictures doesn't mean you're going to be hired. So please just remember that. I, I think that and these guys. I think that that can't be said enough because people. I, I think you know we we were talking about this before we came mm. on that you know people they bust their ass and they think oh well at some point somebody's going to be looking through portfolios. And they're going to stumble over mine and I'm going to have a full-time job. And that not that is not how it works. This is not how it works. So Snoopy298, if they would entertain the idea not shooting the Super Bowl, it sucks that these one photographers are getting the shaft. They did. Reuters did cut a lot of photographers, including a couple here. I think that they had some kind of deal with Getty or something like that, you know, like everybody else does. You know, you make your pictures cheap enough people can get rid of their staffers but no i can answer for for whoever no there's not going to be any protest over this you know if you are a photographer who's at the level that these people are that we are and somebody offers you a gig and the money's right and the assignment is right you're gonna take it there nobody's uh going on strike after the fact to you know to not shoot the super bowl and si will send you know they might send all of these guys to the Super Bowl because that's a going away gift. <laughs> well, not even as a going away <laughs> gift because they're the Super Bowl is a big game and they need the pictures from it. Because the issue that comes out the week after the Super Bowl is all football. It's all Super Bowl. So they they might send four out of these guys and then have a couple of local guys um, to go shoot the Super Bowl. They when I shot the Rose Bowl a few years ago, I think they had four photographers and two assistants or something like that. Like it's crazy. When they you know when they want to really cover an event, they will really cover the event, and it's not going to change it. You know just because they have to pay somebody as a freelancer rather than as their salary they're no they they are not going to entertain not shooting the super bowl or any other event if the money's right and the assignment is right but i do like now wonder super bowl like via getty type of thing like they'll just like you know only have getty photographers and that'll be it I really don't think that that's going to happen. I think that they're still going to send people as freelancers because the photo editor SI, the Getty photographers aren't working for them. So they can't say this is the exact picture that we need at all costs, get this picture because Getty has other clients. Events where it's important to have a specific picture that they want to have any kind of control over at all they're still going to have to have their staffers go there. Not staffers, um, freelancers under their direction to go there and get those 
I'm just thinking like in the future that's gonna be it like I'm a lot of places now only have like you know one or two agencies that shoot an actual event because they only let well, yeah, well, that, those agencies in and I'm thinking like right well the the example the example to this is the sporting news who doesn't have any staff photographers and hasn't for years but they just use wire pictures for everything and they have no control over anything they just what's on the wire is what they have access to and that's it but SI I do not imagine that for the foreseeable future that that will be the case. I think that they'll, for you know, an everyday Penguins versus Rangers game, are going to just let Getty and AP shoot it for them, and then take whatever's there if that if that's what they're covering. But if they're doing a feature on someone, or if it's a big enough game, or a championship game, or some kind of big news story, or something like that, I I love to shoot a Super Bowl once. Maybe I should ask. It's like, hey, can I shoot a Super Bowl? I think you got one question, right, from Facebook. Uh, yes. Uh, my friend Gus would like to know, will this result in more freelance access? No. The, <laughs> the access has been going down for quite a while as wires drop off and consolidate. AP and Getty are signing deals as fast as they can to be like the exclusive provider of commercial images or something like that. So that just means that it's just going to boil down to the local papers the team photographers and a handful of wire people and that's it. This doesn't increase that. This really has no change for anything that's on the ground other than more shitty wire pictures finding their way into what used to be a great sports photography magazine. Yeah, those are the questions, by the way. It's not like we have a lot more. Those are the questions. Oh, and Gus also wanted to know about iPhones. What's the question? Well, he wants to know what will happen with the new iPhones and the legacy of freelance sports photographers. Well, iPhones have nothing to do with it because shooting sports with iPhones. It's possible. It's not like it's like out, out of the realm of... Phone cameras have been getting better, but until they figure out a lens situation to be able to shoot things that are a little bit farther away and a speed of the shutter situation you can't substitute shooting iphones but a compact cameras might get there quite soon like uh, those evil cameras will be much much better in the future you know there will be changes to gear there will be changes to how people use it there'll be changes to porter who's there to write the story is going to be the only one that a newspaper sends to take some pictures all of those things are going to happen and all of those things are bad and I shoot for a couple of magazines and back in the days when I first started out, so it was like, what, two, so was 10 years ago, no? So 2005, they would send an editor, a journalist, coordinator, and a photographer from Japan all the way to wherever we were shooting. The first to go was the, the editor because they didn't want to go or didn't want to spend money, you know, for the editor to actually fly from Japan to, you know, to Europe. And then recently we started losing coordinators as well. There's no coordinator. There's only journalist and only photographer. And I think in the near future, um, I'm talking just like about general like portraits and things like that. But even for like anything related to matches, I have a feeling if push comes to shove, not like now, but like really only a couple of years down the line, we could totally see if it's like, you know, if they're not going to like really use the pictures very, very big, the journalist will be shooting. And they already do that now as well. You know, it, it happens here. I'm saying that, you know, on a large scale basis, we're a little bit away from that. yet. But not that far away. Not that no, far. No, definitely you, not. If you told me that there weren't that there were not going to be any staff photographers at the San Francisco Chronicle in four years or something like that, I would not laugh you out of the room for that. It's entirely possible. So that really means that, like, you know, I mean, Matt and I were we think we're a bit more progressive than, you know, the old haggers out there who've been doing this like job for bazillion years so we're quite aware of like what's happening we try to be as much as possible because i think survival instinct needs to really kick in when it comes to these stuff because this is our livelihood and we need to keep on doing this and so should you so really you have to think about like what is i was going to ask matt about what he see it as a, a future I'm uh, not about SI, but like more about sports photography as a business and where that's going to take us. Well, I mean, I've been trying to move my business away from media and towards commercial use and direct to people use through books for a few years now, at least. I've cut back, you know, just the random mid-season kind of, I'm not shooting 40 baseball games a year. I'm not shooting... 20, 30 football games a year because you know, I don't need to, to, that's not where my money is primarily coming from right now. The thing about it is that these papers can send all the people they want with iPhones and 
interns with cameras and they can run wire pictures and they can do all of that kind of stuff. But if a company who sells a mass market product wants a picture to run in an, you know, in a magazine that has a million subscribers or, you know, as part of an ad campaign that has billboards and point of sale uh, advertising and things like that, that's where the last bastion of quality work is going to be because if that company takes pride in what they're doing, if they're marketing people, care about how the ad looks in the end they are going to want the best picture they can find and i'm going to try to provide it for them that's it so that i i'm insulated from a lot of these things because i have clients who know the difference between good and bad and who care about it and who know that even if they're paying 10 times more for a good picture versus a shitty picture they don't care because in the grand scheme of things, it's a tiny fraction. They're going to spend, I don't know, $700,000 marketing something. If they're paying me seven grand for a few pictures, they do not care about that because it's nothing in, in the grand scheme of things to have their product look good. And why spend all that money trying to market something if you're not going to make your product look good, or if you're not going to make whoever you're endorsing look good. That's where it is, commercial photography. And then the other side of it is, making books by myself. I know Ryu's done that. I've done it. I'm getting ready to do it again. People who enjoy your work and who want to have a copy of it uh, in a book form will pay more than what you paid to have it done. And so that's where that's where I've been for a little while. And that's where I plan on being. You know, I'm not on strike against Sports Illustrated. So when they call with another assignment, then I'll do that. If they want to buy my pictures off the wire, they can do that. I Just because I disagree with what they're doing doesn't mean that I'm on strike from them or that I'm, you know, as a moral objection, not going to work with them because that's not the case. Well, at least like what I what my plan has been for the past like year and two years is I'm trying to move away from Japan, like the Japanese business, because it's really, I don't know how much more they can do. And the quality has been going down a lot. Even if I actually get my name well known in Japan, it doesn't really go anywhere because it's an island. Really, it really is an island and nothing goes out of it. What I really want to do from now on is I really, 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 really want to improve my photography year in and year out, you know, month in, month out, day in, day out. Like really, really improve every single time I go shoot. I need to really shoot original contents that other people don't. I'm going to separate myself for being very, very original and things that other people won't do, I will do. Hence, I've actually used the infrared stuff I'm doing right now. I'm going to use the um, aerochrome stuff that I actually use for my book. All these things that I, I would do other people won't do, I'm totally fine with it because I, I that's what I want to do. Not to be confused with just because I'm using a different medium, I'm not going to shoot any shitty photos and claim that this is great because I'm using a different medium. Like that's not going to, like that's really will really kill me and i've learned the hard way through using the aerochrome thing that I, I really need to you know study a bit more about this whole film thing so that i could actually have i could shoot better pictures with it because i think i've done if i have been very very you know lenient with myself on an average job for the stuff i've actually shot for the book when it comes to the um the film stuff and I want to really improve on it because I think it would be a shame to, you know, be telling you guys do you need two interesting things in every single photo that you, you show us. I don't think I've actually done every, like all of it for any of the photos I've actually, well, some of the photos have actually been on the book. It's a reminder, really, that I need to be on top of my game all the time. The reason why I'm saying is that, like Matt said, that I don't really care about day-to-day -day league games and things like that because everyone covers them. And lo and behold, things like Super Bowl and World Cup they're covered by everyone, which means that, I mean, all these like, you know, magazines and, and websites and newspapers, they're going to get their picture from somewhere. But what you, what you need to do is like find something that is really like quite obscure, but you take great images so that that will then lead you to other work freelance wise in the future. And that's what my gig is going to be from now on. I want to keep on doing like story stuff. Like I'm going to go to Cuba in March to keep on doing the Caribbean things for, with baseball. Just really trying to think ahead and be ahead of curve all the time. Always listening into like what's the latest technology and, 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 um, and camera is and lenses and what other techniques like other photography like not sports photography but wedding photography or fashion uh, photojournalism or product stuff or like what they've been using and what I can then use that for my sports photography and that's going to be the key for my survival and I really enjoy doing it so to me quality 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 above everything else 
and I will get advertisement stuff, and that's really good give, you know, <laughs> to get a lot of money. And I will also like not shy away, for instance, like doing weddings. I'm gonna do one this summer, and I'm I'm excited about it because I don't shoot that many. And but it's also it's a very good learning experience for me to like do other things and get inspired. Like say, oh, you know what? Like this type of shooting, I can then use it for my next basketball game, or like this kind of um and like lighting, I'll use it for like my next you know baseball gig, whatever. And it's a learning thing. And I am not going to tell you at the end of the day, like, oh, I'm really satisfied with my work all the time. I'm really not. And you should not be either. You should always keep on pushing yourself and pushing yourself and pushing yourself. Because as you will see in the next segment, when we talk about the uh, the golden bib, when you don't really push yourself, this is what's going to happen. I feel bad for DSI people. And we're going to move on. There's going to be another opportunity for other sports photographers. Probably not that many as you think it is. Or maybe you think that there will be. You know, it's the dawn of, uh, you know, plan of the sports photography. I hope it's going to be a good one. I hope you guys will keep on learning through us and on your own. And then uh, we'll be a, you know, big happy family and, you know, we'll rule the world. That's it for uh, this special masterclass on what happened to those sports illustrated photographers and we will see you in the next segment which is the long-awaited golden bib 2014 So welcome to the 2014 Golden Bib Award Ceremony. Hosting tonight is you, Vocal, and Matt Cohen. Matt, if you have to sum up the entire year of you win nominations, well, how would you kind of describe it? It's just disappointing. We kind of run the line between wanting to have more entries, but then also wanting you guys to work on more specific things that are lacking. So when we say okay, it's a free for all this month, you can do whatever you want, that's fine. And we'll get, you know, a few more entries. But then on the flip side of it, we have something specific like sweat or close up or something like that. And then we have very few entries. And I guess that happened a little bit in the previous year as well. But I think that this year, even the ones where we got a few more entries, there would be disappointments. And then even when we tried to get really specific and give you a theme, then that was disappointing too. It was just disappointing. We saw the level of some photographers raised to surprising levels that we were pleased with. But then we also saw some people who just weren't listening to us at all. And months and months of training ground didn't seem to help. And then we just got less interaction than we had really hoped for. So I'm not I'm not very happy. I'm not very happy at all. Yeah, we talked about this off the show before we start recording and whether or not we should give away the golden bib or even the silver or bronze. And the conclusion was that if you look at the entries from 2013, you will see the level was much higher. The problem we have for a couple of months for you win is that we didn't even have a first place because entries we've had were just really, really shit. And you should be, you know, look at yourself, look at the mirror, look at the, the photos you've shot this year and tell yourself like, hey, you didn't really do a very good job. Although saying that, there's a bit of fault on our side because I think we should make it a bit more accessible and a bit simpler to enter your best images into the thing. And we had podium to do that. That didn't really work out the way we wanted to work out because that was supposed to be for all the images that were not on the UN theme. So like if you UN theme for that, that month was um, sweat. And he had a great close-up photo, photo of um, swim meet. They wanted to submit, but you have nowhere to submit it. You're supposed to put it in for podium. What we're going to do from 2015, so like from, I mean, by the time you hear this, it will be set up on Flickr. I'll probably do it right now after I rec finish recording this. We will not have any theme for 2015, like none. So every month it will be free for all. The only difference will be that from the day we announce you win, you have 30 days to have the best shot that you've, you've shot that month. No, no, no. That, it's by, no, it's just by calendar month, right? And, okay, we can do it. Yeah, we can do yeah, calendar yeah, month. Calendar month. So for like when I, when I post it now, then for the next podcast we'll be recording, you have the entire month of January, you know, that time to shoot the best sports photo you've ever shot in your life. You then submit it for us to evaluate for the next podcast, which will be middle of February. 
and so on and so on and so on. But no theme, just your absolute best stuff, obviously in one entry. And it will then go on and we'll, you know, we'll see what the best for every month is. And it will just keep on going and we'll pick the best one for the golden bib for next uh, for this year much simpler but we are not going to go back like you know three months be um so like you know you cannot submit something you shot in december for instance or november you used to be able to do that but now it's only going to be calendar month so for this month uh, for, for for the next podcast you will need to have actually shot your photo in january and just whatever you think the best one is you put it in and then uh we'll see if you're lucky so that's it huh so no golden bib we can't it's a really unacceptable level at this juncture now like we expect some of you to be performing a lot higher like higher standards and and i think people been a bit complacent as well which is not good so no no cash no cash money no cash prize no nothing anymore now so hopefully we'll be we'll be much better now for next golden bib and that ends the very sad golden bib 2014 If you came here looking for info on Training Ground, you are out of luck. Kind of, but not quite. We've moved it to YouTube and therefore you'll get to see your rewards and punishments, mostly punishments, on video. Go to YouTube.com and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter, four separate words. Cross Counter. Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with. Time to hold your fellow sports photographers' hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. That was a quivering sound, by the way. So, this is the uh, Sports Illustrated Memorial cross counter and matt cohen has chosen a photographer with the name of simon bruti so simon is an si photographer or was matt has chosen him and his portfolio matt will go first and telling us why this particular photo has got him quivering in his boots ordinarily when we say quiver with joy it's usually it overstatement of the fact but this one actually does make me quiver with joy this is uh the horse barbro on his way to winning the 2006 kentucky derby and so it's from overhead and it shows how far ahead what is that like five lengths ahead barbro is on his way to winning from a really cool angle i'm trying to figure out was he on a crane has to be or in a it can't really be a helicopter i don't think well it could be probably not though or a blimp i don't know but it's, it's high above. Yeah, well, it's from directly, like, you know, 90 degrees above. If you look at this picture, and I really, I hope you do look at it, it's as close to perfect as a picture like this can get. First of all, he's, again, he's exactly overhead. So it's not at an awkward angle where you can tell that he was just using whatever was there. You know, he went upstairs and shot down or something. I have a lot of pictures where I'm shooting from overhead, but it's almost never from exactly overhead. It's usually from some kind of an angle, which is oftentimes the best that I can get. And sometimes it works, but not all the time. Is it optimal? This is optimal. The light of it is really cool because it's coming to the point where you can see the shadows in the hoof prints of the races that were before. It's exactly 100%. The, the line running through it is completely par parallel to the sides and perpendicular to the top and bottom. And, and this wasn't in his control, but the just the way the, ho the horses are arrayed, you know, you have the one Barbara that's way out in front and then you have second place and there's like a grouping of the third, fourth and whatever behind that. So it just, it gives it like a real architectural kind of look overall. I just, I really, really, really enjoy this picture. This is like, you know, we look at a lot of pictures and even like the good ones are like, oh yeah, well that's good, but it's, it's not great. This is a great picture. And this is something that if I had done it, I would be waving around in everybody's face who I could get to look at it. Matt kind of like sold me this picture. I think I, I like it more now than I first saw it. I like the lines. I think that that's the most the most interesting thing about this is the lines. And it obviously shows framing means a lot 
when it comes to sports photography. It really, really, really does. The aesthetics of the framing, it's a lot more than you think it is. And this is really for people who think sports photography is all about action. And look how this is such a non-action sports photography. And this is all about lines. It's all about patterns. And it's all about textures and all about all these things that you will not see in those meathead action sports photographers. It has to be beautiful. It has to look beautiful. And it's not about like people jumping in the air or people doing extraordinary stuff. But it's just the fact like how everything is composed and everything is lined up. Had he planned this to be this way? No, because like if you take it even out of context and just like just look at it this as a an image, it still works just because of how it's composed. And it's one of those things that you have to really be aware of that if you shoot any image in the future, that this is a game winning goal. Yes, it's a game winning goal. If you know it's a game winning goal, like if you take that the context out of it, it's still a good image. To me, that's the most important thing. You take it out, you look at it just as an image. What do you feel? Is it good? Is it not good? Does it stand on its own? And this does. Do I love it as much as Matt does? No, not really. It's okay because Matt's always wrong and I'm always right. I'm going to move on and I'm going to actually choose mine, which I decided to go with the American football team, American University football team, which is from Louisiana. They apparently did speak a little bit of French back in the days, but they don't really anymore now. It's the uh, LSU, Louisiana State University football team um, gathering probably for kickoff in a circle type of pattern. It's, I think, with... American football, these things really work because they've got helmets and these helmets have patterns. Would this have actually worked with different helmets? I th yeah, I think it would be really even be very, very cool to do a series of different football teams before a game and have all these like just, I don't know, like 50 schools and do the whole thing. I really like the line as well. You know, if you're going to kind of like not in the middle, but like a little bit above the, the middle line is a, I think it's a touch line or a sideline painted across and you have all the, the. It's a yard line. Is it? Oh, it's a yeah. yard line to use yards. And you can actually see like what I also like about it is the fact that the helmet actually has got a, that vertical line going through it, which makes it kind of like funky in your, on your eyes. I don't want to say why we actually chose both above the bird's eye view of uh, each shot, but I find these things actually quite always amazing and, um. I hope we will see more of these, but it's not a very easy shot to take because it's just a, you know, location thing. And where he was shooting this from, um, it could have been high, like up, up in the, the nosebleeds he was actually shooting from. No, this is, Crane? this is from the rafters. Really? Yeah. This is directly over on a football field. The only thing that would have gotten to that point is shooting from the rafters. Wow. Because in most football places, like you can't even, you know, get anywhere near this. You know what I mean? Certain indoor buildings, domes and, you know, just indoor stadiums will have catwalks where that they're that they're designed for the people who fix the roof and who fix the lighting and things like that. So that's where you're... But then doesn't like LSU play outdoors, not indoors? Uh, I'm guessing that this was a bowl game ah. that, or, or an away game where it was indoors. There's... There's no question whatsoever that this was shot from a catwalk. There's no no other way this could have been done. So there it is. And and the best That's thing sad, about this picture sad, sad. is if you look on the the lower oh, yeah. right hand edge, there's Tyron Matthew who's like not in the you know he's set off by himself a little bit, and this is a kid who got kicked off the team a couple times and was famously a very uh, individual type player for a team sport. Um, so. That's something that, you know, you would have to know something about LSU football to know about. But that's sometimes what makes a really good picture. Um, happy New takes 2015. It over the top. I just want to, like, just add at the really end that I really post apologize for to, not being um, able to do to this, this first episode. Not just the individual pictures, but the, the whole thing. The whole because child thing. not every one of these pictures is great, and but the some child of them has are been a bit, and you know, more than you would ordinarily see lumped together so yeah i would encourage tried, you to look just really, not just at the ones that we're between talking about specifically so to all of them and see what it looks me. like to yeah, have a, a diverse kind of portfolio way. yeah so i'm just really sorry about that it's all done now so the more i adjust to being uh a parent um i think the better we're actually going to be able to schedule things and whatnot so this is kind of like the first step in the right direction we'll have a lot more the contents will be better this year What's really up to you, really? So make sure you, you take very good photos. You and his wife, ground, and you, the new and improved you win. Good luck to all of you in 2015. Five, six, five, six, 
coming from a country which does not use an archaic form of measurement, we end the 44th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. And by the way, in Japan, number 4 is death, so 4-4 is death-death, which is not very, very good, but hey, you know, who cares. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at biglensfastshutter.com, one, one word, and .com at the end, so that you won't miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes. And obviously, if you have that dollar in your pocket, please donate to us. To recap, Facebook, blog, iTunes, and donate. Rinse, repeat. Love us more. See you next month. Do 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 do. No, it's not really the song. It's gonna be asked, but yeah, it's fine.